On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're breaking out our tinfoil hats and doing our best Alex Jones impressions for some conspiracy theory talk. Just what exactly is lurking below the Denver International Airport? Is that giant blue Mustang actually just art? Or is it a vessel for one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? What's the rationale behind including a Nazi alien in a mural about children of the world in peace? We're really going to fill your conspiracy theory tank with this one. And then we're talking accents. How do they develop? Why do they change? If you move to the UK, will you start to sound like you're from London? I'll quiz Michael number one on his knowledge of America's 20 different regional accents and see if there's one that gets under his skin. You might be surprised because this is Tell Me What You Know. What's going on, everybody? Today is Thursday, April 16th. This is episode 51 of Tell Me What You Know. Today is also my mother's birthday, so happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Mrs. Brown. Yeah. That's very exciting. It is. I talked to her this morning. She's doing great. That's Everybody's excellent. doing great. Uh, That's excellent. We'll do some quarantine updates here. DC has announced the lockdowns are going to be extended at least 30 more days. May 15th. Yep. Yeah, the UK extended their lockdown by three weeks minimum. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll have to get more room on my wall to etch in the days and these tally marks are taking up a lot of space now <laughs> like in a prison cell. You, yeah, your, your initial tallies were just too, too big of marks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like when you make a poster board in third grade and you can't put the last three letters of whatever you want to say on it. <laughs> Every card I've ever written is kind of like that. I always run out of space. <laughs> down the side of the page. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The 20th is my dad's birthday as well. So they, you know, they get a little, uh, share a birthday month. Yeah, and my dad's the 26th. So oh, nice. Knock them all out here shortly. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Michael, you've caught some flack about your lack of knowledge of John Prine. My dad was uh, beside himself. God, I'm not, I am not a music aficionado. <laughs> I enjoy music, but I, it's not my forte. If it was about okay. movies, yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel bad because I think, you know, not knowing that guy would be like not knowing like, a, I don't know, like a Hitchcock or something. Um, but yeah, feel bad. Uh, he did not write, he was not in fountains of Wayne. Sorry. Yeah, he did not sorry, Stacy. Sorry, mom. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> you made one uh, of our friends going to fight with the sidewalk. He was so mad. <laughs> I could just imagine him walking down the street, getting mad at me, which is pretty yeah. accurate for other things I'd say just in real life, you know, in passing. Right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can redeem yourself today. Maybe. I don't know. All right, well, like I mentioned, I hope you brought your tinfoil hat. Everybody at home, put your tinfoil hat on now because we're going to dive into some conspiracies, mainly just one conspiracy. Michael, tell me what you know about the Denver airport. The Denver airport? Denver International Airport. It's a mile high, Colorado. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a nice airport. Um, I enjoy flying in there. Um, yeah. I didn't know that there's a conspiracy about it. Not just so, one. Not just one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know which way to take it other than people arrive there and they depart there. So what, what's the what's the what's one of the conspiracies? All right. Well, so it is one of the newer airports, right? Denver International Airport opened on my seventh birthday, February 28th, 1995. Hmm. It's a hub for United and Frontier. Uh, but it's also been a hub for some conspiracy theories for the last 20 plus years. Uh, the first one we'll look at, it mainly revolves around some kind of cataclysmic event, uh, you know, Armageddon type thing. Uh, there, maybe there's bomb shelters there, hmm. but the Freemasons were very involved, uh, some say from the beginning. Okay. So there's a time capsule that was put in place 
uh, on March 19th, 1994 to be opened up 100 years later. So this is, you know, about a year before the doors opened to the public. They put a time capsule in there. Okay. And on this time capsule, there's symbols of the Freemasons. They got the square and compass, which is their symbol, I guess, on the capstone. There's also the names of two grand masters that are etched in there. Okay. Um, and the group that, uh, like, that was part of the... Of, of bringing this airport together and completing the whole job. It's called the New World Airport Commission. So you got okay. the whole New World Order thing in there as well. Uh-huh. All of this is kind of tied to the Illuminati by some people. Uh, the New World Airport Commission, funny enough, doesn't exist anymore. So everybody's like, oh, that's weird. Hmm. Why is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a spokesperson, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Montgomery. A spokesperson for the airport, he'll be referred to as Montgomery from, from here out, uh, said that the capstone was supposed to read New Comma World Airport Commission, but it doesn't read that. Huh. <laughs> because, that, you know, it's like this is the, it was the newest airport in the world, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's kind of convenient that there's, they left out that comma, some people might say. Right. Uh, there's a Braille tablet that rises up from one of the capstones, and there's a theory that if you touch it correctly, it's like a keypad, and you can communicate with aliens or like toxic gas or release or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why would people might, think that toxic gas would release? Uh, I, mean, well, I don't know. More, more of an alien type thing, I think. Well, so you said the apocalyptic thing. Is this supposed to be that while they were building it, they might have been also like tunneling or something so that there's some uh, shelter or bunker beneath exactly. the airport? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, there's there's tons of different things that make conspiracy theorists just get super randy uh, about this Denver airport. Okay. Um. So we got the Braille tablet there. The mayor at the time of the airport's construction, his name was Wellington Webb. Uh, he was a brother of the Freemasons as well. Okay. So he was there for the whole opening ceremony type thing. So there's this big involvement with the Freemasons. Uh, a spokesperson for the Freemasons, their chapter in Colorado, gave a statement that said they had nothing to do with the building of DIA. Their only involvement was there for the ceremony that was performed at the dedication of the capstone. Hmm. Um, the the chairman of the New World Airport Commission, this is, I guess, before he died, before that commission, uh, I guess, either disbanded or whatever. So their organization was named that because Denver International was the newest airport in the world. And then he referenced Dvorak's Symphony Number no. 9, which was the New World Symphony. Uh, so I mean, it just seems like these are like kind of very weird things to be going after. Right. Um, but he said it was totally preposterous to think there was anything secretive about DIA. So you have the Freemason involvement. Uh, in the baggage terminals, international and uh, domestic, there are mm -hmm. gargoyle statues that watch over baggage claim. Okay. So these gargoyles have drawn a lot of religious observation and threw the whole religious theme into the mix as well. Uh, the artist, his name was Terry Allen. He's from Lubbock, Texas originally. He said that he put in a proposal, I assume after an RFP from the airport, to do some art. Um, and he went to this meeting, committee meeting beforehand, and there were airport people everywhere. Uh, it was uh, community folks, people from the airport, and he said there was notably a nun at this meeting as well. And so that he kind of like got this whole thing that like airports are like cathedrals, and that's where he got his idea to bring the gargoyles. Okay. He says that the gargoyles are protectors. They face outward from the church to protect against evil demons. Mm -hmm. But a lot of folks going through the airport, I guess religious folks, started leaving cards uh, next to the gargoyles that said, you know, effigies of Satan or you're going to hell. They'd leave Bibles with different passages under lines or with markings in the margins, all that kind of stuff. They saw these gargoyles as like some kind of religious statement. Um, 
but he but Terry Allen was like, no, if I wanted to do something nefarious, I could have done something way more nefarious. These gargoyles are there to protect, you yeah. know, they face outward, that kind of thing. Yeah, more like a gothic architecture thing. Right. Yeah. So you've got the religious folks, I guess, coming at this as well. Another uh, sculpture there is there's a they, it's called it's a demonic horse. So they have this 30 foot tall Mustang sitting outside of the airport that greets passengers. It's bright blue and has like these red orange glowing eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the nun mentioned before, her name is Lydia Pena. She was a member, I guess, a sister of Loretto in the area and also had a long uh, career as an art history teacher. Okay. So that, helped her, that, that led to her serving on the architectural design committee for the airport. And Pena met an artist, Luis Jimenez, who was the one who created the 32-foot uh, blue Mustang. Um, and actually, while Jimenez was, was building this thing, so it was commissioned in the mid-'90s. And then in 2006, part of the horse fell off and severed an artery in his leg and killed him. Oh, wow. So his estate finished the horse in 2008, and that's when it was put up there, right? And so now this, like, demonic-looking horse, they call it Blucifer, uh, they say Who's technically killed somebody. Who's technically killed somebody. They say that the theory is that it's going to provide transportation to one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse when that that time comes. (laughs) That's great. So you got the gargoyles, you got Blucifer. Uh, there's more art, artwork as well. So there's these murals. There are two murals that are in the different terminals. Uh, Pena the Nun, she also was behind commissioning the murals that are presented throughout the airport. Okay. These murals have been linked to the apocalypse, fascism, pretty much any nefarious thing you can think of. Of course. Uh, the, art, yeah, the artist's name, Leo Tenguma, uh, he, was, he was the one that was... They, they commissioned him to do the two pieces. One is called In Peace with Harmony, or sorry, In Peace and Harmony with Nature. The other is called Children of the World Dream of Peace. The Children of the World mural is the one that's the most contentious. It's got a soldier who looks very much like a Nazi wearing a gas mask. <laughs> and in one of the bottom corners, uh, there's a letter from a child who died in Auschwitz. Okay. What's <laughs> it's so bizarre. They say like, uh, yeah, you know, these are... Uh, they're murals of all these children who are coming together to, to end violence in the world and that kind of thing. But it's just really weird symbolism on these. Like, it's just like, and it's like the children of the world that died in conflict that, that, you know, were innocent children, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theorists, they say like, well, follow the money. Who's commissioning these things? And so you look back at Pena, this nun, and I don't think she commissioned it, but she was definitely part of the, pro- the process of selecting who would be the artist. Uh-huh. Uh, she was like, she, her whole thing is that like we commission the concept, but we have to let the artist do his work. So that she says that she has no, like she didn't tell him what to paint or anything like that. Right. You know? Right. Uh, cause she believes that like art, even if it's controversial sh- is art and it should be up to the artist to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's a guy, Dr. Leonard Horowitz. This guy seems like, I don't want to say a nut. But he's <laughs> all right, let me just, he's a former dentist, and he now spends his time uh, talking about the dangers of drugs and how they can control population. Uh, the tit- a lot of this information is coming from a Thrillist article I read. Really cool okay. article. Yeah. Uh, the, his title in that was a Harvard-trained public health expert and media persuasion analyst. Uh, the writer of the article on Thrillist had an email exchange with Dr. Horowitz, who at first was slow to open up, but finally kind of gave his thoughts on the mural Uh and they are out there. (laughs) 
He says, this is a quote from him. Are we flying the friendly skies here? A Nazi gas-masked alien generating a rainbow, electromagnetic field in parentheses, with the swish of his Muslim saber sticking the Christian dove of peace. In the background, you have mostly ethnic faces mourning among bombed buildings. What? <laughs> it, uh, why, would, why would they mix so many different, like, um, quote-unquote, bad things that people are scared of, like Nazis and... And I guess especially in some if ways Muslims especially if there's these like different a, uh, like why are you mixing all these things together? Right, especially if there's, you know, something they're actually trying to hide there, right? Why that, would you just right. do something plain Jane art art wise? I don't know. Right. Yeah, like why uh, do why do people have to leave clues? <laughs> it's yeah. not like uh um you're gonna have a national uh, national treasure movie and Nicolas Cage is gonna come figure Dude, this all that's out. what it feels like it's what it feels like yeah uh horowitz he published uh some material as well this that was obviously just an email exchange but he's published something called death in the air where he talks more about the murals mm-hmm. he says they depict genocide that mostly affects black and hispanic people that was going to be carried out largely by largely secret masons what uh <laughs> he says elite global industrialists including the rockefeller family in america and the royal family of england were primarily responsible for eugenics the first racial hygiene experiments pioneered in america and oh my God. when asked when when this guy was asked if it could just be a coincidence he said if it smells like a skunk and looks like a skunk it ain't a gopher so i mean i don't know how you argue with that yeah i mean that seems like sound logic to me <laughs> that's right uh, so past the artwork you have uh, the secret tunnels, right? Right. Yeah, I want to get to this so, part. Yeah, many like a lot of people believe that DIA is a gathering spot for government officials and the global elite. Uh, in the case of some kind of Arm- Armageddon or biological warfare or anything cataclysmic, they'll all go to DIA and they'll be safe in the underground bunkers and tunnels. Mm-hmm. Horowitz, the same guy we were just talking about, he says he's seen the tunnels. Uh, he says that on like day three after the airport was open, he was traveling there, and the the trams and the baggage operation and stuff wasn't working. So they were directing passengers through these tunnels instead. Uh And in these tunnels, there was just like incredible artwork down there. Uh, He said, this is because it's going to give something for all the rich people to look at while everybody else above ground dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he said, yeah, he said uh, the, the art contains some of the finest gold leaf mosaic artistry I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, once the trams were working again, those passageways were closed. And his thing is, well, why would someone commission all this art that will never be seen again by travelers? You know, interesting it's point. because, yeah, it's because the rich need something to do while we're all getting microwaved up here. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Pena, the nun who we talked about earlier, who was part of the, the commissioning of all this stuff, says she doesn't know anything about underground passageways or shelters. Montgomery, the spokesperson at the airport, says that these things do exist, but you know there's just some places you can't take people in the airport for security reasons. He said he also acknowledged that this doesn't help the case to, <laughs> to let people <laughs> know there's nothing going on there. It sounds like he's got a pretty hard job, but he he also said that uh you know they've embraced all the conspiracy theories because you can try and fight it and fight it, but it's not going to do anything. So if you embrace it, it gives you a way to talk about the airport and that kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
he, and he also said that the, the a lot of the reason for a lot of the underground stuff was that airports or airlines uh, lease space from the from the airport for offices and that kind of thing. So most of the underground stuff is just airport uh, airline office space. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, one last guy we'll talk about here, Curtis Fentress. Uh, he was the CEO and the principal in charge of uh, Fentress Architects, who were whoever saw the building of DIA. Um, the the author he asked Fincher's if, if there were any tunnels or bomb shelters and anything like that, and Fincher said, "Well, I can't really speak to it. I'm sworn to secrecy." So he's either got really dry humor, or <laughs> he just <laughs> can't talk about it. You know. <laughs> I mean, there, maybe there is some bomb shelter. I mean, I think I don't know if that makes zero sense that there wouldn't be, but. Right. Well, I mean, the author goes on to say, like, are there sh- probably shelters that nobody knows really anything about across the whole country? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would it make sense to put one in Denver, which is far away from the coasts and is under this high tech airport that's like thousands upon thousands of acres large? It probably makes sense to do that. Yeah. Though. You know? Well, something um, else that's in Colorado and Colorado Springs um, is NORAD, where right. that, they, that was supposed to be a, you know, a nuclear fallout shelter, technically. Yeah. There's a theory that there's an underground tunnel from the airport to NORAD. To NORAD, okay. <laughs> the guy was like, "Do you know how much that would cost?" Yeah, to like... build that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. This is the Illuminati we're talking about. They have they, endless money. They haven't. Yeah, they can do whatever they want to do. And also, right. like, think about all the different workers that you would need to hire in order to do that. And you have to kill them all. Yeah, this is an entirely underground uh, workforce. Well. Uh, one thing you could probably use is uh, all the lizard people and aliens that live underneath, according to some conspiracy theorists. Oh. You can have them work on it for you. Oh, yeah, so just a, a few, just a few other. Uh, I mean, there's literally just no end to the conspiracy theories about DIA. It's kind of crazy. Uh, some say the runways are swastika shaped. Um, <laughs> they look more like a pinwheel, I think. But you could maybe make the case that they're swastika shaped. Okay. Uh, like I said, lizard people and aliens live underneath. So there's buried buildings underneath. Uh, the roof of the Denver airport is like a tent almost, right? Yeah, Have yeah. you seen it before? Yeah. So originally it was going to be uh, more like some kind of like Mayan or native type looking, not pyramid, but that kind of, you know, like temple type thing. Was yeah. Like, that's how it was going to look. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, in the article they were saying, can you imagine the conspiracy theories if you had a Mayan temple <laughs> looking airport? Like... <laughs> Yeah, it might, a lot it of might these, not be a great look for it. Yeah, I think a lot of these theories were also kind of uh, it slowed down a little bit when the end of the world didn't happen in 2012, like the Mayans predicted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, these guys—they're never going to stop. These theories are gonna always keep going. They're super interesting. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think if you just look up some stuff on DIA, you'll find a never-ending list of in this of questionable things going on in this research that you did was there ever a point where you felt sort of like huh i don't know how they would explain that or uh there's a part of me that kind of wants it to be true i mean the murals are really weird yeah like really weird but like it's just like maybe that guy was just a weird dude yeah I don't know. yeah it's just the mind of one weird guy i'm not sure like why this demonic looking blue horse blucifer is what they chose what the artist chose to put there but like art is something i never will understand so i don't know like, yeah <laughs> well uh no i totally know what you mean like a couple years ago i was in paris and we were walking and looking at all the gothic art and it seems odd that they would go through such a long period of time of creating such like weird looking 
like the the as you're saying the uh, the gargoyles and stuff like it's just like a an odd thing to go really deep down the rabbit hole on. Like you might yeah. do one building and be and everyone's kind of like, why are you so dark? Yeah. Uh, but then to have like a, you know a whole century of this is the this is the decor and the vibe we're going for. It's odd. Right. Oh, uh, the so the guy what was his name? The guy who did the gargoyles, Terry Allen. He uh, it was kind of a little funny side story. He said that he basically like you know he he saw the nun there. He kind of equated the airport to a cathedral, and then he went and looked at the most famous cathedral, Notre Dame, and basically pulled the gargoyles from that. And so yeah, he gave his 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 art piece was titled Notre Denver, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but that's DIA. That's Denver Airport. Huh. Yeah. Well, next I don't know if I'll be allowed I'm gonna, to. I'm gonna go look at the murals yeah i don't know if i'm allowed to fly through there anymore i might just get kidnapped as soon as i go through you're you've gone you know too much michael that's right i I, that is interesting to think about hey what if the government had to build tunnels or um you know like an underground shelter that they were going to try to put like two hundred and fifty thousand people in or something right denver would be a good spot to choose Mm -hmm. um and it's like outside of denver a good bit yeah, it's outside of Denver. It's flat, uh, you know, versus the rest of the Rockies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It And it, it's flat, but it's also high. So, like, say a right. comet or something hit the earth and the water, I don't know, maybe wouldn't come up that high. I don't know. Right. That's interesting. It'll be above the ash cloud that's created by a giant meteor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I Probably think not. it would still be pretty bad for it, but maybe, yeah, maybe it sure. would be spared the tsunami wave. Right. But maybe not. Well, is that all on on DIA? I could go on, but that's all I've got written <laughs> down. <laughs> well, I love a good conspiracy. There was one I was reading of during all of this coronavirus stuff. This, have you seen these talking about Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks is somehow uh, uh, actually a pedophile and he's actually in prison. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I haven't yeah. seen that. Somebody was, I mean, take Like he's on house minutes. arrest? It's something like that. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't fully understood it. Um, but yeah, there's this. There's this Tom Hanks. Conspiracy. You got to give this thing the time it deserves, Michael. Read about it. That's right. I'm gonna drop a little hint, and, and you know, but give it. Give it 15 yeah. minutes if you want to. Uh, you know, have a little laugh, have a chuckle. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, well, good topic. I am gonna change over to a kind of a fun, fun topic. Michael, tell me what you know about accents. 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 Um, like ways people speak accents. Yeah, I think you're pretty good at okay. doing accents. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I do have a really good uh, Buenos Aires accent when I speak Spanish. That's true. But basically, accents, I believe they're different from dialects. Well, dialects like a language, uh, stuff, right? It's the way you. No, say I mean in in this way they're somewhat similar. Um, okay. I I kind of I. I was reading that there are, you know, national accents and there are then like regional accents. And I think the regional accents, you could probably start calling a dialect, but I think a dialect is um, actually a different, yeah, different language. Like they use different words or words mean different things. This is maybe more uh, different pronunciations. The sounds. Um, The sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you, I heard that you were mimicking an Australian accent after a Peloton class that was going on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's certainly my theory that people, especially Americans, like 
lo- I mean, they love the Australian accent. And I think they want to, you know, feel young and sexy and whatever when they go to a Peloton class and like they've got a, an Aussie instructor telling yeah. them to, you know, pump Oi. their butts. Oi, <laughs> get up now, riders. Battle that bike. <laughs> yeah, they feel like a little <laughs> bit more, you know, versus some guy from like Idaho, you know, I think they'd just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I want some young, sexy Aussie person yelling at me. Yeah. Which I, I yeah. which I get. Well, I have no idea where you're going to go with this, but tell me more about accents. Well, yeah, no. So uh, I, I, I do find it really interesting how people started speaking the way they speak and, mm-hmm. you know, the the evolution of accents. Like, why do people in the, in the southern United States sound the way they do? Why do people mm-hmm. in Boston sound the way they do? And I, I think as I start looking at it, I don't think there is one answer to those questions. It's a really complex and evolving thing that just sort of um i think lends to some of the points that i'll get to but anyways um yeah accents can change and they can develop for a variety of different reasons and they're really complex but they often Mm -hmm. mark the changes in culture so you know if if there's people that live in the north versus people that might live in the south and the people that live in the north might be more the working class people and the people that live in the south are more the aristocracy or um, you know, there, there's a class divide and part of the division is speaking in a different way to denote a different identity. Okay. Um, and so this, this, there's actually a word for this. It's called, uh, by, by dialectalism. And that's the ability to move between two accents. So, uh, it's, this is kind of interesting, but lower class or working class people and the elite class don't ever really change their accents. They might be um, certain types of people that, that can't really do this. They don't have this by dialectalism. Um, and the reason is just people that mostly work in, you know, are from a working class family or have a working class upbringing, um, maybe don't leave their region, uh, maybe in their entire life. Uh, yeah. And then the elite class mostly speaks in a way that's, you know, they're very educated and they speak the way that it's supposed to be spoken. Um, and so in, in, in some of this uh, research was done about um, Britain and not all about the United States, but uh, in Britain they call this received pronunciation, which is like the proper British, like the Oxford Dictionary way to say words. Okay. Um, and so if people, they, they call it RP, so if you speak in RP, then that's like you're you're from a high class. And Road so, wang. Yeah. So then, uh, so then if people have a different dialect or a different enunciation and accents, it might denote that they're from different parts of that country or have a certain type of upbringing. And I think that I mean you could you could definitely say that's true for the United States, right? Right. Um, so yeah, then middle class people are the ones that would have this bi dialectalism. Like they they go back and forth between maybe. Um, maybe they've, they were educated and they get a job and now they, they move to the city and are now living amongst a higher class. So their, Mm -hmm. their accent changes, but then when they maybe go home for the holidays, they sort of relax and they can sort of be themselves in the way that they grew up. Um, so like they might sound completely different when they go home. Um, did you kind of experience that? Well, this was a question I was going to have for you. Uh, and I I mean, I, I can definitely speak to this a little bit going from Arizona to Georgia, but yeah. did you, f- I mean, did you feel your accent totally change? I know you're speaking a whole nother language, but like, 
did you feel you picked up that that accent quicker when you went down to Argentina? Yeah, I think so. Mostly because, uh, especially, I mean, I feel like I knew Spanish decently well, you know, compared to other people who take Spanish classes in the states. But mm-hmm. I feel like I really learned it by being immersed in it, right? Right. And so most of that as well is mimicking the accent, uh, which I was able to do pretty well. Um, but I, I kind of feel not not South America. Not 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 talking about my Argentine travels anymore, but. I I remember distinctly <laughs> freshman year. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, coming from North Carolina to Georgia, both southern states, I don't. Th- I think I have a pretty neutral accent uh, in terms of like what it could be, I guess. Yeah. But I remember I went down to Valdosta for like some some like fil- like philanthropy volleyball tournament, and you, you did not go. But I talked to you on the phone while I was down there, and we had been drinking beer all day, and yeah. and I think my voice like i i was speaking with such a southern accent you're like dude what is what is going on yeah you have this like inc- like heavy southern accent right now and i think that was part of because i was in valdosta georgia with like people from tifton and statesboro and it was just it just i don't know it seeped in oh absolutely do you I, remember that phone call i do remember that phone call <laughs> one i think you had had a few drinks mm-hmm. um and something very similar happened to me when I first got to Georgia and I was talking to my friends from Arizona. They were like, stop talking with that Southern accent. And I'm like, what Southern <laughs> accent? Like, what, like, so, like, so, what y'all talking about? What's she, what's she talking about? <laughs> uh, and, and I was reading about this. It's like, it's done for, as a, as almost, they called it a survival mechanism, but it's like you adapt to your surroundings, right? So you want to yeah. just fit in and you want people to kind of accept you. And it's, it's not so much being like, you know, you're not some sycophant and you're doing some like weird impersonation of them. You're just, you're fitting in. I mean, yeah. And so that's, that's, I think the answer that kind of aligns with how I feel about it. Um, like if, if you go down to go back to Georgia, you're going to get a more Southern accent out of me. Like versus if you go, if you, I think if I don't, I'm not sure if I'd go this far, but if I spent more time in London, I think you're, you're going to pick up some of those accents to fit in. And uh, I de- I've, I've heard from people that are like, oh, yeah, I've got a friend over there. And now all of a sudden they're saying like, oh, we're watching telly. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. and there's a different words they're using, but they're also Come like different. Go to the loo. Yeah, exactly. You're saying different <laughs> things in different ways. And you're just like, you're not from there. Like, stop just being such a poser. Yeah, uh, even more bizarre than all of that. I've seen, uh, it's really weird and I don't know why it happens, but. When I was in in Argentina, I would see native English speakers speak to Argentines in English, but with an Argentine accent, like a Spanish accent on their English words. Huh. Like, do you know where the? Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like that's supposed to help them understand it's, it more. Yeah, or something. Either they speak the language or they don't. You have to you have to say it in their accent. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I, I think I I've think done it, that before. I don't think it's like it's not like a like a, a racist thing or like a demeaning thing. I think it's just like maybe you hear them speak English with that accent, Ex- so you think maybe that'll help, but it probably doesn't. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. Well, no, isn't it kind of like it's like uh, somebody who goes from India and they go they get educated in the UK and their their English has this British sound to it. You're mm-hmm. like, why are you speaking in a British accent? You just learned English. Why isn't right. it neutral? And yeah. I think they're being taught the the received pronunciation. I like right. meeting people from Spain. The same thing. Like when they when they talk 
uh, in English. I'm like, where where is this British accent coming from? It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like so in England, uh, like so we talked about it, it's sort of a desire to fit in, but you also have ways that uh, your accent can just like show class or status. So okay, you might. You know, you might put on a different accent to, to make it seem like you're more educated or not. Or you might even like go down a class to, to feel like you're this, I think, more to fitting in or um, common man. Yeah. Yeah. You want to yeah. you maybe don't want to make it seem like you're so snooty or raised in a certain way. You'll call it a, like a like a TV table instead of a credenza. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the third one is. You really you have a desire to change or to show a difference. So, meanwhile, like at the same time, where accents can sort of be inclusive, like oh th- these people are like us, they can also be ways to exclude people. So, um, you can you know show kind of a boundary between certain places. And I think this was sort of looking at uh, the Australian accent and looking at the American accents and how they developed the Southern accent. I think it came from a desire to not be British Mm. and to kind of like, you know, exclude that we're putting that stuff behind us. We don't want to sound like we're from there. We want to move on to some new way of of speaking uh, and delineate uh, so that people don't, you know, sit around and be like, Oh, you're just a, you're a bloody red coat. Like get (laughs) out of here. Yeah. Um, So, I had a couple other questions before I move on to some fun, some fun aspect of this. Sure. Um, okay, so here's a question I have. Do you believe if someone grew up with an accent and then consciously changed it, they'll always deep down have that initial accent? Like, Or do you, do you believe that you can ultimately change your voice, essentially? Um, man, I don't know. Like... I think that you'll always be able to go back to it, right? I, I would think you'd be always... I don't think you can just get rid of it forever. Well, so, like, if you're an actor and you go, like, you've got a... You're an actor and actress, you've got a really deep southern accent, and you go out to L.A. and your agent's like, you got to get rid of that accent. You're never going to, like, book jobs. And you, yeah. like, go to a voice coach and they, like, train it out of you. I wonder if it means... Like, if, if it if it means that's not your real voice and now every mm. time you speak it's sort of you're 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 always doing another accent sort of like when we mimic an australian accent or a british accent like yeah i could talk like this all the time but that's not my real voice you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know i thought that was a an interesting like line to 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 draw between people just like impersonating and actually you're changing your voice i don't know kind of like a larry david moment where it's like You've been here for four years, and now you've got a different voice, but it's like not really your own. You need to do. You need to be who you originally are. Um, yeah, yeah. So another question: What's your favorite accent? Oh man. Well, the one I find to be really funny when people are like doing a very like over dramatic portrayal of it mm-hmm. is like somebody from Boston doing a Boston accent. Okay. I just think it's like there's this guy. Uh, I think he works for Barstool. His name's his name's Donnie. Donnie does or whatever. Uh-huh. And he's from Boston, and he's like uh, he like lives in China typically. But he'll do, I saw, saw this video of him and like one of his friends doing Boston accents. I'm gonna butcher it, but they're like, so like, yeah, I gotta go pick up Martha from uh, 
from somewhere. It's like, oh yeah, she. I I I can't even do it right now. But it's like just this over dramatic. Matt Damon in, in, in Goodwill Hunting, all that stuff. Yeah, just those yeah. accents. My boy's wicked smart. Like that whole thing, I wicked think is just smart. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a least favorite accent? Yeah. Uh, like, well, I mean, not really least, but like one that that's, you don't hear very often. That's kind of grading is like a mid, like a Midwestern North, North, like sort of like a, like a Minnesota. Oh, so you don't like that one. I, I don't dislike it. It's just one that I'm like, Oh God, that kind of, uh, uh-huh. it stands out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly very unique. Um, and then last question here, what's your favorite accent for a girl to have? Like if you an accent for a girl to have, you saw some girl at a bar, she's really hot. And then you go over and then you find out she has this accent. What accent is it? Well, see that would have to be, she has to be an English speaker, right? I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So that really cuts down on it. Like I, uh, I like when a Spanish, a Spanish person will use the, like the lisp sound a lot, Uh (laughs) but she's speaking a different language there. Um, I, so for this, for me, I've always liked uh, like an, an Indian girl with a British accent. I've always thought it was kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just me. I mean, uh, Anna de Armas speaking any language is good for me. So. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's go on to... So there are 20 distinct regional accents in the United States. All right. Michael, we're going to see how many you can name. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So... so Number one, what do you think? Uh, Southern. Uh, yep. Is that too broad? Um, I'll, I'll give it to you. I, oh, because it, it, like it is a little too broad, but I'll, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give it to you as Georgian. Georgian is Georgian. Like, yeah. Okay. Georgian. Okay. Appalachian. Um. Is yep. Appalachian. Uh, like Cajun. Cajun. That was. That was the one I was trying to do for. Uh, uh, Coach O. Yeah, LSU, that's yeah. what I was trying to play for you. Um, you got a Boston accent. Yep. New York. Uh, is that too general? Uh, uh, no, no. That, that's I'll give it to you. It's sort of like a Long Island. What about a New, an, say it again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna include it as like a Long Island. Okay. What about like a New York Rican accent? It's like a Puerto Rican New York person. Um. No. Mm, I think. It might be mixed with one of these, but uh, keep going. Okay. Uh, you got a... Uh, like, like just to go back to this, I think the I think what you're mostly getting at is like a Chicano accent. Okay. That's, that's sort of like Puerto Rican and like Latin, English. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. What about... You got... Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like a Great, a great Lakes accent, maybe? Like a Midwestern... Uh, I think Minnesota accent. Yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, I think it's called a youper. A youper. All right. Yep. Youper accent. You got. Um, oh man. I mean, all I can do is like name cities. I don't know what they would be called, but like distinct cities that have accents. You got. Well, sep- like a Chicago accent. Yep, yep. The Chicago one's on here. Um. I don't know what the Florida accent would be. I guess it's like this was no this idea. was one. It, it, Floridian is on here. Um, 
but I think Floridian is like a little, I, I don't know. Um, I think people would say that there is an accent there, but it's so diverse whether or not you're in the panhandle or in the peninsula. Oh, oh uh, uh, Baltimore, Baltimore accent. Oh. Is that on there? Because they definitely have an accent They definitely there. do. And um, so does Philly. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. Let's go birds. I, it's not on this list. I compiled this list from um, a BuzzFeed list, I think. Okay. Which so obviously, you there's should a, always go for your information. Yeah, I mean, it's a good source of information. Um, there's a big uh, island state. Okay. Uh, Hawaiian. So yes. Hawaiian. Um, yeah. Um, you got the uh, Valley Girl accent. <laughs> yep, like a Southern California accent. Yeah, you get on the one and take it over to uh, that was, Rodeo. That was the clip I was going to play. I'm going to play it right <laughs> now. Okay. <laughs> and just, just in the episode. Yeah, yeah. And then you got... Uh, Oh, what am I missing? There's probably is there anything obvious that I'm missing here? Uh, Texan. I think you might include okay. that as Southern, but yeah, Texan accent. You got. I mean, I think like Appalachian takes care of like Tennessee and West Virginia and Western Virginia and mountains of North Carolina and stuff like that. Yeah. Would you not consider Tennessee to have a Southern accent? I would, but different, different parts, parts of Tennessee, I think, speak differently. The mountains speak differently than I would guess, like Nashville. Right? Yeah. Um, this list includes ones for like New Jersey. I don't know if that's mostly meaning kind of okay. like, like, um, you know, Joy-Z. Jersey shore. Yeah. Like Joyzy. Yeah. Um, they have one for Maine. Uh, okay. they also have just like a Western accent, which I think, I don't know if that includes like Arizona's. I mean, Arizona has like the Western accent. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's pretty neutral. Um, there's upper Midwestern and then there's also Southern Ohioan. Oh, oh, oh. Ohioan, yeah. Ohioan. What um, about uh, Alaska? Uh, maybe that's what they mean by Westerner. Maybe I don't. I would think they would like probably just call that Alaskan or something. Yeah, like, I would think so too. Then there's yeah. a, so the, there's also one uh, called Geechee. Geechee. You ever heard of Geechee? Is that like uh, what they say in the Lady Marmalade song? Geechee, Geechee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's like it's sort of um That's Creole, right? Well, I'm gonna pull up this list, hold on. Creole's not an accent, I guess, is it? It's more of a Yeah, no, I th- I think it's more of um dialect or something. Yeah. Where's Geechee? Yeah, it's from a- from African tribes to communicate with one another during the Atlantic slave trade. Uh, so this is South, South, South Carolina and parts of Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what about, uh, what was that movie? I guess they're speaking. What was that movie where there was like the flood and like the girl that lives in like, is it New Orleans or something in Louisiana? I guess that was Cajun or something. You don't talk about that movie? Fuck, what was it called? There was a flood? It was like the young, it was like a young black girl and her dad and they're like very poor and they like live on the bayou or something maybe. Hmm. Do <laughs> you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I was going to play a clip of the Bostonian accent. It was the uh, Super Bowl commercial. I'm going to play it. Okay. Uh, very sorry for our folks at home. We were having 
technical difficulty playing a shared video. Yeah. So it's all right. It's sort of pooped out at the end. But it was, I thought it was a very fun topic. Accents. I have to say, my favorite more I won't do it on the show. But I love the Asian accent. I, and just all over the place. I think it's just fun to do. It's fun to say things in it. The mostly the Asian accent doing an American accent, like trying to speak English is very fun. <laughs> but I, I guess we're not allowed to appropriate anymore. So Definitely. But uh Beast of the Southern Wild. That's the movie I was talking oh, about. Oh yes. I didn't see that. I think they have some kind of dialect or something in that, but Huh. But, Good movie. But yeah. So yeah, maybe that's that's that that would be my last question for you, Michael. What's the one accent you enjoy doing most, but it's frowned upon? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I won't. I, I make mean, you answer it, Michael. No, I don't. I'm trying to think. I mean, like, if you look at like The Office in 2006, these were jokes that were being made. Like Michael Scott has a whole diversity day. Yeah episode where he does every single accent and it was funny but well that was the clip i was gonna play for the georgian accent it's not racist or anything but he's like the, oh, the oh, his ass is coming out of your mouth that was a panhandle yeah that's uh caleb crawdad yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the murder mystery one or whatever yeah that's a good that's episode good. i'll play that Savannah. <laughs> anyways that's accents um fun little topic hope you guys have a like it an accent that you use to I don't know. Exclude other people. <laughs> you only only your family talks this way. Yeah, it's uh, pig Latin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think accents are cool. I, the whole like linguistics definitely interests me a whole lot. Yeah, uh, I think I would fall into that a little bit. But anyway, one more episode for one year. That's right. Let's wrap this episode fifty-one up. We got episode fifty-two coming out next week. And uh, we're going to get in the lab, the virtual lab, and figure out what we want to do moving forward. Definitely going to do something. So keep setting your alarms for 6 a.m. on Friday when the show drops. And we will uh, keep you posted as to any changes coming. Yep. But everybody have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy some time by yourself. Maybe you can have some virtual hangouts or something. Listen to our episode, and we will see you all next week. Stay sane.